0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz
1: every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Dana Perino, and this is Perino on Politics. Despite a frigid forecast, Iowa caucus goers will brave the cold to cast their votes in the competitive nominating race that's happening here. Former President Donald Trump has long maintained a very solid lead over his opponents in Iowa, making the race for second place a close contest to watch. So what will today's results tell us about the state of the race and what's to come? Here with me today in Iowa to help lay it all out is my friend. He's been on before. You love him. His name is Guy Benson. He's a Fox News contributor and the political editor for townhall.com. And you can also hear more from Guy every single day on Fox News Talk Radio, where he hosts the Guy Benson Show. That's weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Guy, it's great to have you on. And... Congratulations on the birth of your son, Conrad. He is so cute. He's
0: really cute. Thank I you woke up much. today
1: thinking about him because you showed me the pictures last night and he was on my mind.
0: I also woke up today I thinking bet you of did. him. Uh, he's a really sweet kid. A lot of work and huge kudos to Adam who's like holding down the fort yeah. back home while we're here freezing our rear How's ends off. How's that going
1: for him? Is, that cra- is it crazy?
0: It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like I get updates. Does he have help? He has some help, Thank yes, goodness. Okay, but not great. all the time. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy with all the new technology, and like our parents are just scoffing mm-hmm. at us because we yeah. keep everything in an app, so huh. we are tracking diaper yeah, changes and <laughs> sleep time and bottles all in an app. And then I can also just look live at the crib from anywhere. Oh so last night at dinner... Here in Iowa, people were asking about him. I just pulled up a live. Like, you are is. you are looking live at Conrad <laughs> in his snoo, which is this other oh, I heard contraption, which is amazing. So it's a challenge. It is tiring, but it's I, amazing, and a level of love you? I didn't understand existed.
1: And I under, and actually I've never I've always told that to people, my friends who are going to become parents that as I've been told. I don't have my own children, but that your heart just expands so much. And a good friend of ours, I think you know Matt Whitlock. Yeah. He, when when his son was born, he said, I don't remember what I cared about before.
0: And I heard that cliche. I thought it was mm-hmm. a cliche. Oh, your heart gets bigger. I was like, okay. I kind of rolled my eyes. I'm like, I'm sure I'm going to love the kid, obviously. But then the moment I laid my eyes on him, mm-hmm. something really did mm-hmm. change. And you like you dug into this new layer of love that previously you. was not in there.
1: I'm so happy for you.
0: Thank you. And everyone here has been just incredible. Fox
1: is a, Fox loves Fox loves babies.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah. big time. <laughs> I mean from the at some point we're like, okay, thank you for the showers and the gifts uh-huh. and the on-air tributes. It's like Let's We can move on now because people were just so enthusiastic <laughs> yeah, about it. And it yeah. meant, it actually really meant a lot to both of us. So let
1: me ask you, so you, you've covered politics for a long time. We're going to talk about Iowa in just a moment. But as you go to cover this election, does your thinking or your analysis or any of your enthusiasm change as a parent now?
0: Well, I think the one thing that has changed a little bit, and he's seven weeks old. So it's still just sort of this potato. But you're thinking alive. about his future. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the one issue that I've always sort of felt strongly about, but now feels more personal is education. And when you hear about the craziness happening in classrooms, and you look at what's being done, frankly, to our schools, public and in some cases, private as well, I start the wheels start to turn, not just like, where does this land on a policy perspective? What is good policy for the children of America? Now it's like, what do I want for my son? What is my son going to deal with Mm -hmm. starting five years from now, potentially Mm -hmm. in kindergarten? And it gets more real and, as I said, more personal.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. Given that, so we are here in Iowa. This is the first contest in the Republican uh, nominating, uh, I was going to say committee, but (laughs) the the nomination. So this is the contest. We are in Iowa. It, It is very cold and I think that the Iowans are rolling their eyes and saying, yeah, it's cold. We do winter. It's fine. But I do think this is a dangerous level of cold. Yep. And if you are not an enthusiastic voter, you might not get out tonight.
0: I was on the special edition of Special Report last night with <laughs> Brett on the panel. So
1: special. And
0: it's so many Double specials. Special. Extra special. And I did say yes. We're all sort of parachuting in here from the East Coast or wherever we are, and like, wow, it's really cold. But I have talked to Iowans who are saying, no, this is no joke. This is extremely mm-hmm. cold. This is unusual. Mm-hmm. It's not typically like this. So the question then becomes, and I was just chatting with Neil Cavuto about this off the air, if it's going to be negative 20 or whatever with windchill tonight, what impact does that actually have? And there's a few different theories on it, and the one that at least intuitively makes the most sense to me is you look at now, what, four or five public polls in the last few days here in Iowa show Nikki Haley surging slightly into second place ahead of Ron DeSantis. That, I think, is real. I think there's true movement. I've heard on the ground here that she is attracting new people to her town hall meetings in a way that some of the other candidates just have, like, the true believers still showing New voters
1: or new people?
0: Well, new faces who haven't been coming to Nikki Haley events previously. So I think the surge... The momentum is real. However, a lot of the people looking at the poll, and you dig into the numbers, they're moderates. In some cases, they're Democrats. They are gravitating towards her for various reasons. Is that the profile of someone who's going to see that it's dark outside, mm-hmm. the kids are tired, it's negative twenty, and mm-hmm. say, you know what? I'm going to rush out there anyway mm-hmm. and stand in this room for however long it takes. For, and they might. For Nikki? So we'll
1: be able to. They might,
0: but I think. Part of the reason why I think DeSantis, at least from a ground game perspective, yeah. is in a stronger position than she is here. He's worked at it a lot harder and longer in this state, and I think his people are more committed. Then the last piece of this that I'm wondering about is the Trump voters, according to the polling, are the most committed, most enthusiastic. Does that translate? Does that actually play out? Or. Because he's ahead by 25 or 30 points in every poll, do they say, he's got this in the bag, my bed or my couch seems a lot better than a gymnasium tonight? Mm -hmm. Could there be, even just at the margins, something where that effect impacts his Mm -hmm. victory margin? Because I think it would be truly like the stunner of our lifetime if he were to somehow lose tonight. I don't think that's going to happen. Everyone's looking at margin, does he hit 50, and then who's in second place, and what does that margin look like?
1: Yes, and then we haven't mentioned Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, who's been about at 8%. He, the one thing that's interesting is that he's been at 8% for quite a while. Mm-hmm. He's only spent $40,000 in ads here. And Nikki Haley spent $4 million. Uh, Ron DeSantis next, and I think Trump spent like 1.8, something like that. Um, and Ramaswamy, maybe he'll surprise a little bit, who knows, but like he's sort of st- held steady at that level. And I understand the the younger voter, the new voter looking at this, but I think that with Trump sort of basically saying, I'm going to come after Vivek because if he gets to 50 percent, he will have made history mm-hmm. in the Republican Party. And, you know, he loves that. And his supporters want that for him. He wants it. He wants it. for I sure. think
0: he wants it personally. And this was something we touched on on Newsroom this morning on TV. Because it seemed almost like this lightning bolt out of nowhere. Donald Trump attacking Vivek Ramaswamy the other day. Like, what? Like, this guy's in fourth place. And I thought about it for about seven seconds. (laughs) And we were chatting with Charlie Hurt, too. And it's like, oh, he can taste 50% or more. And he's like, if I'm at 48 I'll have a and, huge and
1: Vivek in. has two. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cuz I
0: think the Vivek supporters are cuz he's kind of been making the play that I'm the future of MAGA. Mm-hmm. Junior MAGA is what I called it. And I think Trump is saying if it's going to come down to two or three points for me to get to 50, maybe the lowest hanging fruit would be Vivek supporters who are mm-hmm. kind of soft saying, "Nope. Forget that guy. I'm the real deal. I'm mm-hmm. true MAGA." And I think that's an effort to peel people off. I think Trump really wants to get to 50. And they've sort of set that expectation now. I think he can probably, he's got a path certainly to doing it. Mm -hmm. I just wonder if he doesn't. Is that a latch-on media narrative all of a
1: sudden? Oh, oh, for sure, because people need something to talk about. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about this, because (laughs) Iowa, um, by the time a lot of people listen to this, might be in the rearview mirror. And one of the things we found out is that Ron DeSantis is not going to go to New Hampshire, even though that's the next contest. His next scheduled stop is in South Carolina. Nikki Haley will be going straight to New Hampshire, where Chris Christie dropped out of the race last week. Anecdotally, It sounds like some of his supporters, if they decide to continue on, that they will go to the Nikki Haley side of it's things. It's
0: more than anecdotal now, because oh. I saw a CBS poll, mm. polled exactly this question, and they asked, of that 12% that Christie had in New Hampshire, where are you likely to go? Nikki Haley, 75%. That is a big number that could really close mm-hmm. what is, in some polling, a very small or manageable gap between her and Trump, I just wonder, does that exactly play out as expected in real life, and what do the results tonight mm-hmm. mean for New Hampshire?
1: And what do you think it means about Ron DeSantis going to South Carolina?
0: Look, if DeSantis, and I like DeSantis. I think he's been a fabulous Incredible governor for the governor, most right? part. His mm-hmm. results speak for themselves. I think he's worked very hard. I am a DeSantis fan. I also think, given the amount of time and money and attention and energy and resources and Everything he's poured into Iowa, if he doesn't do something significant tonight, it. I don't care what the next step strategy is, I don't see any path for him, right? Like, if he comes in third tonight, I think it is curtains. I, I just, I cannot imagine, even if he hasn't realized it yet, him mm-hmm. staying in the race.
1: Like the donors will say.
0: Everyone. Yeah. Everyone's like, what, what are we doing here? Even if he ekes out second place and he's 25 points behind mm-hmm. Trump, I think that's a big problem for him here. I talked to someone high up in his campaign recently and they were predicting that they're going to exceed expectations and they feel really good about their operation here. So if he has some sort of a pop, then we can reevaluate. But the idea that he's just going to skip New Hampshire where he's in the single digits and go to South Carolina, having not performed well, let's say, in Iowa, where Trump is very popular and it's Nikki's home state, I just don't, don't see how that works. But I think they have to telegraph some plan out of Iowa because they want to keep their people here motivated because you can't Ah. have a next step unless you perform here.
1: Oh, that's smart. And that's why we have you on Perino on (laughs) politics. That'll do it for segment one. Let's be giving you one quick little break and we'll be right back.
0: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter, and I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com.
1: And we're back with Guy Benson. And Guy, I want to turn a little bit to the elephant in the room or the donkey in the room, <laughs> and that is Biden. President Biden's poll numbers are so bad. That new ABC poll saying that 33% approval. I mean, no wonder the Obama era folks are coming out and saying, oh my gosh, what are you doing? They are trying to raise all sorts of concerns. And david axelrod who i very much admire i think he's so exasperated and he's calling for changes in the campaign maybe the campaign shakeup or like adding people to the campaign and the first thing that comes out after that is that john kerry is going yes. to leave the biden administration where he is the climate czar and hit the campaign trail for biden i'm sorry i'm laughing it's probably not funny
0: it is funny I mean, okay
1: okay so it's funny. it's funny i think it's hilarious i'm, yeah. I'm sure that david axelrod is thinking that's not exactly yeah, a campaign right. shakeup I was thinking yeah, that, about.
0: No one's like, oh, my God, is that another
1: 80-year-old to go campaign? Is that
0: John Kerry's music? Not, not, not that, John but- Kerry.
1: They added one other person. I saw that a spokesperson who most recently worked for AOC, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she is now also joining the Biden campaign. So I'm okay. like, guys, those are the extremes that you probably don't need.
0: John Kerry could not get himself elected in 2004, as we all remember very well, very fondly in my mind. Uh, And he's 80, as you point out. So it's like octogenarians for octogenarians. Okay, how exciting. He is pompous. He's arrogant. He does not connect with people. Mm -mm. What person is on the fence about Joe Biden and is going to be convinced by Kerry? Like, it's just fine. Good luck, whatever you're going to do. But it's not a game changer in any way, shape, or form. Here's the other thing. People keep talking about the Biden campaign. I know it exists. I know they're spending money. (laughs) I know he's done a few events, but... What campaign have you really witnessed no, so far? Not. They haven't done almost oh my anything. Gosh.
1: Now you say that, there was a um, a political paper in Pennsylvania, like the state capitol paper, making fun of the Biden campaign for how ridiculous it is that he only goes to campaign in Philadelphia. Yeah. Because obviously it's the closest to D.C., it's near his campaign headquarters. And he's like, I'm out on the campaign trail. And you've got to hand it to Governor uh, Shapiro of Pennsylvania, who shows up all the time. And he's like, yep, here you are again, sir. Yep, we'll help you out. He's a very loyal person to the Democrats and a good governor, I think. But the Biden campaign doesn't really exist. But they're not going to replace him. And I think that people need to start getting this out of their mind. It's the, the time is running, out it is running out to do that.
0: I have this running bet with my father, a nice bottle of wine over Mm -hmm. is he the nominee or not. My position is yes. His position is no. And it's been dicey a few times, I'll admit, where I'm like, (laughs) "Uh uh-oh, my dad might get this wine. But I'm feeling more confident. The thing is the Democrats do whatever they have to do. So even if he's like the nominee, they could cook something up and do a Mm -hmm. switcheroo. I put nothing past them. But in terms of their process, you're right. They're sort of running out of time. There isn't, And this is the key thing. Mm If there were someone waiting in the wings that everyone understood was up for the job, popular, would be way better than Biden, I think his days in this position would be numbered. But there isn't. People look at his vice president and say, oh, I can't be her. They poll Gavin Newsom and they look at how California is doing, like, yeah, maybe not. Is it going mean, to, Gretchen Whitmer, is that someone people have ever heard of? You know, enough people around the country. J.B. Pritzker in Illinois thinks, he's I mean, what a basket case of a state. There isn't an appealing, like attractive, popular era parent, mm-hmm. and therefore they're kind of stuck because he's cranky and stubborn. He doesn't want to go anywhere. And he's saying, look, I beat this guy already. It's probably going to be Trump again. And they're just saying, "Like, all right, let's just white knuckle this thing and see if he can pull it off again. And he might, by the way. The idea that Trump's yeah. got it in the bag, I think is wrong. That's
1: an important point. Yeah. This is an important point that I feel that Talking to a lot of Republicans, are like, "Obviously, Biden's so awful. Obviously, Trump's going to win again." No, nope. like guys, I, I just
0: he could, he absolutely could absolutely. win, but he, he might could even lose. have a
1: better chance of winning this time than he did in 2020.
0: I mean, based on the polling right now, yeah. yes, he Donald Trump in the last two months has never pulled better in his political career nationally and now ever interesting. This is a high-water mark, especially mm-hmm. in a lot of these swing states, because so many voters— I mean, you were mentioning that brutal ABC News poll. Oh, geez, yeah. They had the Trump numbers and the Biden numbers side by side. And my eye went to the Trump numbers first. And I'm like, whoa, that is that is terrible. Like, Trump's <laughs> underwater. That's not good. Mm-hmm. That is ugly. Then my eyes migrated over to the Biden numbers. I was like, holy bleep. That is so much worse.
1: So interesting. So, okay, then the, the other thing I wanted to talk about in this segment is— The possibility of a third party effect. So I hear this rumor last night. I guess I was late to hear the rumor because other people had already heard it by the time I was bringing it up that no labels is serious. And this is the third party group, just for, you know, we try to keep it 30,000 foot level here. this is the no labels group they've been around for a long time the name drives me up a wall i understand what they're trying to do but it doesn't really inspire like anybody to get out and march for
0: but people like no labels, labels people people we have labels for a reason because they describe saying, things
1: what they're trying to say is that um responding to res- people out there like in the gallup poll that came out friday or something of Americans do not want to be a Republican or a Democrat. They say Mm -hmm. they are independent. And neither Joe Biden or Donald Trump are the – they aren't the candidates that those types of voters want to go for. So no labels is saying if those are the two nominees, then we will provide an alternative. And that this alternative could include Manchin or even Chris Christie, Mm -hmm. which I hadn't heard that. And I thought, wait. Is that a real thing? And then you have the possibility of RFK Jr., mm-hmm. who in some of these polls gets up to 20% of the vote, including a lot of African-American vote. Does that take away from Biden? Does it take away from Trump? I don't know. And I, I'm not going to mention the other third-party candidates because I don't really think it's going to matter, except that if but you think might. for Hillary Clinton, it mattered mm-hmm. in 2016. Well,
0: talk to Al Gore. Get him on the phone. <laughs> <And Ralph laughs> let That's not. Uh, that, that. Maybe
1: Al Gore can join John Kerry, and they can go on a climate crusade across the country. No,
0: they could barnstorm the country with so much electric excitement. Those two <laughs> combined, wow! Oh, I, their, their raw sexual but energy. But what do could you know about that no
1: labels rumor?
0: So the Christie thing is interesting because go back if you have time, which you don't, because you're the busiest person I know. But if you can find magical time. Go back and watch the Christie dropout event he, in, in New Hampshire. I
1: watched it last you week. You it? Yeah, okay. I watched it. Mm-hmm.
0: Close your eyes. Remember the things that he said and yeah. the way that he positioned it all. And a lot.
1: In, in fact, David Axelrod, who I mentioned before, who worked for Obama, said that was the best political campaign speech he had seen this cycle.
0: And then try to line up in your mind everything Christie said with the possibility of him being on a no-labels type ticket, and it is like hand in glove. It, really? It's right there, so I'm not wow. saying Christie's going to do it. Huh. But the, there's enough but buzz But would about he
1: run it. as the candidate or yeah. Manchin as the candidate?
0: Maybe both of them on a ticket. Because
1: Manchin was in on the Sunday shows. Joe Manchin, of course, from West Virginia, not mm-hmm. running for the Senate again. His num—do you know his numbers are so bad? He's like six. He's got a 16 percent approval rating. Democrats don't like him. Republicans hate him. I mean, I don't know who he, how he thinks he's going to get 43 percent of the vote.
0: Really misplayed his hand in West Virginia. He was very good at it for so long. And Mm -hmm. then the Inflation Reduction Act was the end of it, because he handed a win to Joe Biden. That was actually a giant loss for the country.
1: And for West Virginia in particular when it came to the energy job. That was
0: really dumb of him. But look, if you let's just pretend for the sake of argument, you get a Christie mansion or like a Hogan mansion, some combination ticket that could pull some voters away from the two major parties. I know mentioning someone like Cornell West may not be worth a bunch of our time here, but at the margins, like, as I said, Al Gore, Ralph Nader, Florida 2000, if it is uber tight in some of these states and Cornell West has 16,000 votes or something somewhere, that actually could make the difference, not a difference, but the difference. Mm -hmm. And so you would at least think theoretically, given the favorability problems, the popularity problems of both likely nominees – that this could be a banner year for third party people, especially with a name like Kennedy thrown in there. My guess is it won't make as big of a splash as we're talking about now, because typically people come home one way or the other, they view it as a binary choice when the rubber heat, you know, hits the road months from now. But I think even a, a chunk of the electorate going somewhere else uh, definitely could be hugely impactful and to the point that you alluded to, I don't think it is cleanly predictable who would benefit, Trump or Biden.
1: So that might be the mystery of the cycle. One of them, at least. All right, indeed. Okay, that'll do it for segment two. We will be right back. Welcome back to Perino on Politics Guy. I'm going to ask you the question that I always ask. And so you've been on before and you've had a chance to tell me what I might be missing that you're paying attention to right now.
0: So this is a story that I've been obsessed with now for a couple months, and I feel like it got maybe a little bit of coverage right when it happened. I was out on paternity leave, so I was not really banging the drum on the air as loudly as I would have otherwise. And it's sort of out of left field, and it has nothing to do with anything we've talked about uh, so far in the podcast, but I have been watching, obviously, the situation in Israel and the Middle East so closely since October 7th, and it's just been horrible, and having been a consumer of media for quite a long time, and I'm like kind of a 9-11 generation kid, Mm -hmm. I remember for years the news media quotes constantly a group called CARE, Mm -hmm. the Council on American-Islamic Relations. And they are sort of a go-to, at least presented as a civil rights organization on behalf of Muslims in the country, Mm -hmm. and they're always wagging their fingers about Islamophobia and all this stuff. That's their whole shtick. And... I've been tearing my hair out because they were an unindicted co-conspirator in a giant terrorism funding case, but that was a little bit in the weeds. It didn't really deter the media from still treating them as this legitimate group. And then right around Thanksgiving, the executive director, the leader of CARE, gave a prepared speech in front of a huge ballroom filled with uh, Muslim Americans, and he praised October 7th. He was just talking about how happy it made him Mm -hmm. to see you know, the people throwing off their shackles and going back into their land and all this stuff. It was an endorsement of the October 7th slaughter of civilians. And it was bad enough that the White House felt compelled to come out and reject it, distance themselves totally from it, stiff arm care, which is not something that the Dems ever want to do. In fact, the Biden administration had astoundingly partnered with CARE on their anti, anti-Semitism initiative, mm-hmm. which blows my mind. So I just think this story went by really fast. It was, Isn't it
1: true also that the White House quietly removed CARE's name they did. from some websites? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, And so the reason that I think, I know you didn't miss it probably, but no, I think I, I, I pay attention, a lot of yeah. people miss it because it was mm-hmm. a holiday story mm-hmm. and it happened fast. CARE can never be treated. They never have been, but they can never be treated in the future as a legitimate civil rights group because they have a leader that endorses terrorism. Mm -hmm. And look, I'm, of course, against Islamophobia. We should not discriminate against people based on their religion. I also think if you're going to be the scolders on Islamophobia, what you shouldn't do is endorse Islamist extremist terrorism Mm -hmm. because that's not an irrational fear. That's not discrimination against Muslims. That is fear of someone who supports terrorism. So... I'm just using whatever platforms I have to make sure that as many people know that this happened as possible. And it's not just about accountability for the political leaders who partner with CARE and might be tempted to in the future, but particularly the news media that has just insisted that we take these sound bites from CARE forever um, and that can't happen anymore. They're not a normal organization.
1: Well then, can you just maybe comment as a last question about what happened on Saturday night this past Saturday night at the White House yep. with the protest mm-hmm. against Joe Biden.
0: So I'm trying to figure out what I'm missing here because I've seen the video and they're pounding on these barricades that they at the out. White
1: at the, at White, the White House. White House mm-hmm.
0: They broke through some of the barricades. They were throwing bottles and sticks and objects at police officers. They were assaulting officers. And amid that melee, and look, if you're a Hamas supporter. I'm not surprised that you're violent. Hamas is a violent terrorist group. And if you love them so much that you're going to march in the streets for them, because that's what this is. It is pro-Hamas mm-hmm. agitation. You're going to be violent. I'm not surprised. But we have laws in this country. We have free speech. But we do not have free assault police officers. And there was not a single arrest made on Saturday. It's disgusting. I, what, like?
1: So I, they're going to do it again? Of course. And you know course. where they might do it? At the DNC convention. Which is in Chicago, mm. and I've been thinking about the nineteen
0: the DNC, the huh?
1: nineteen sixty eight DNC convention in Chicago. Young people, look it up on the old Google machine. Ugly. I I, I didn't live through it, but I, I'm old enough to know how important it was, what a big impact that that had. And they're going back to Chicago, and they have very organized protests already happening at the White House, like, and then no one paying a price for it. Mm-hmm. So. And to me, I don't want any of this violence. I don't want anybody to get hurt. But I am very concerned about what it means that the White House basically blew it off.
0: Yeah. They're like, oh, we had to evacuate some people because we were worried what might happen. Yeah,
1: from the White House.
0: Not a single arrest. And do
1: you know that it wasn't on the front cover of any of the papers?
0: No, it's, it's the wrong sort of insurrection to generate that kind of outrage. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a defender of the January 6th people, but I think a lot of conservatives look at these double standards and they're like, wow. And by the way, I was just thinking in 1968 with the huge riots and violence outside the DNC and they lost that election, the Dems did, that was the left protesting very aggressively and rioting against the Vietnam War. In this case, what this element of the left is so hyped up about is Hamas. I mean, you think about, whatever you think of Vietnam, just the morality of these two causes, it's pretty yeah, night and yeah. day.
1: And I do want, you know, Biden has been pretty good, although they're, on Israel, uh, been very good, actually, yeah. I should say. but. There is some softening. If you see an Axios reporting, he he's they're frustrated. saying that he's frustrated. He's like mad at Bibi Netanyahu. Fine. Okay. But you know what? You have to dance with the one who brought you and that, he's the leader of that country. And
0: terrorists committed an atrocity today in Israel. Right. Just today. They mowed down kids with, with you know, uh, vehicles. So are we running out of patience for Israel's self-defense? Mm-hmm. Is that, is this the time to sort of, cluck, mm-hmm. you know, click your tongue at, the Israelis, while they are still under attack, the yeah. rockets are being fired, and as still? we
1: mark 100 days since that attack, and Americans are still being held in captivity, yes, in, in captivity, and you don't hear the White House talk about that enough. No one, right? no one in the like we're,
0: we're not having like it's day 100 of the hostage I know. crisis, Where is and that? Americans are being there's almost none
1: so of interesting. that. Well, here we are in Iowa. We are cold. We are going to pay attention to all of that. I have a little quiz before you go. Okay? Oh, quiz. You get to choose... I just want to say for the mm-hmm. record
0: on the quiz, mm-hmm. last time I was on this show, Hammer was filling in for you. Yes. I aced the quiz. I got them all correct. And now I'm worried with like the main gal here. I'm going to blow it.
1: Well, I have just one question for you. So okay. you choose between three possible categories, candidate LinkedIn, presidential potpourri or campaign slogans.
0: Oh, man. I kind of. I kind of like all of them. Uh, let's do slogans and see if I remember because slogans.
1: Oh, my gosh. This is so actually a pretty funny one. I didn't know this. Okay. okay. The slogan is win the era. <laughs> it was this candidate's campaign slogan. Would that have What's been, it? What is it? Win the era. It's really like the worst slogan I've ever that heard. That is
0: a terrible slogan. What year was it? Can you give me what year it was No, from? I can't.
1: Oh, can I? 2020. Oh, okay. okay. So it was at Pete Buttigieg, Ted Cruz, or Elizabeth Warren.
0: Oh, that's... That is absolutely Pete Buttigieg. Because that is such a horrible slogan that, like, some algorithm would come up with. And he is an algorithm. So, am I right?
1: You aced it. Yes, yes. of course. Of it's course. Pete. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty funny. Mayor Pete, where are you when we need you? Okay. Secretary Win Pete. Win the you. era. Win the era. Oh, that's man. That's so dumb. That's bad. I mean, I wonder if they actually made bumper stickers and if anybody used it.
0: Probably not. Definitely like, not. Like, what the hell does this even mean? Win the
1: era, the Equal Rights Amendment. What are they talking about?
0: We could probably spitball a few reasons. Yeah, like they landed on that. They're like, yes. No, that's good. That's, that's a good one. <laughs> that's yeah. the one. And you know
1: what? It's like <laughs> each word is three letters. Let's go with that. Win the era. Okay, uh, Guy Benson. Thank you. My pleasure. And that's I really love me. I love you and your whole career is exciting, but now you're also a father and it has a whole new element. So congratulations well, to you. I can't
0: I'm... wait for you to meet Conrad. I want to meet Conrad. Yeah, yeah.
1: If he's going to be on my mind, I better meet him. Exactly. Okay. We'll be back with more Perinamon on politics later in the week when we know more about what the heck is going on. See you then.